Welcome to The Row Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion Winning. is to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice, crucial role is high fit. Compassion. Great. Passion. Fiction. Gold. Ultimate goal. Glory. Relentless training. Pain. Pain. <laughs> awesome. Welcome, ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, to another awesome episode of The Row Show. And today, we're going to be covering the late qualification regatta that's happening in Lucerne. And it's starting on Saturday. And at this regatta, countries and um, athletes are going to try to get their last chance at uh, Olympic um, Olympic Games in, in Tokyo. And uh, Lawrence is going to be racing in the men's four. So he's not going to be joining me. I'm going to be running the show by myself. And I'm going to be joined with a good friend and a retired rower who's collected a gold medal at London raced at the Rio Games, who's a world champion and uh, fastest time holder in the lightweight men's double, James Thompson. James, welcome to the show. Cool, man. Well, it's super, it's super cool to be back. Um, it's been a while since I've been on the road show. I've certainly been listening to, to all of them. Um, yeah, I've been out of the sport for a while, but followed as closely as I can. So super keen to, to chat through. What's the, some very nervous athletes over there in Lucerne at the moment. Last chance yeah. is exactly that, eh? It is your last chance. There's no, there's nothing else to happen after this. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, it's a good, good starting point there. I think. Yeah. I mean, the mindset, the emotions um, happening now at this regatta is going to be super high, and it's it's interesting because it's a, it's a very different regatta to how it usually operates. I mean, d- um, despite the fact that they obviously the the qualification spots are on the line, but <clears throat> for instance, they there are no B finals here. If you don't make the A final, you're done. And that makes racing a bit different. So it's like, think about progression, all right? Men's single skulls, it's got heats, quarters, semis, reps, and a final. In, in some instances, quarter final, you, you, you're coming fifth, sixth in the quarterfinal, cheers, you're done. Chances are, are tickets. If you're not winning basically every single progression level, then your chances are extremely slim on qualifying. Um, so I mean, it's it's going to be crazy. I I think that, like it, just to touch on the men's single there, like straight in, it's mind blowing. So they're twenty six, like twenty six entries. So what do they race two rounds? Um, they race two rounds before they even going. They're just going to be like culling guys every single mm. race. It's the end of a dream. It's the end of guys like a lot of guys that'll be their last international race. Like it's it's brutal. Obviously, some guys will come back for do, do another lap, but. It's just brutal out there. I think when you go to the an event like the World Champs um, for the qualification, it's one of the we always know. Like everyone will like sell their mother through the five hundred, no problem. They'll throw the kitchen sink at you. It's just crazy out there. But a lot of people qualify at World Champs. You know, at this event, mm. the vast majority don't qualify. Don't. There are yeah. many more tears out there than there is joy. Um, and I think is often a misperception misconception that these are the last two spots but i think we must recognize that generally the guys who qualify through last chance qualifiers are going to be right up there in the medals come tokyo um it's it's been seen over and over again so it's certainly not the easy way if anything this is the hard way um and what a 
what an emotional one to to add onto the back of the COVID break, eh? Um, yeah, not for sure. What a, it's just madness, man. Yeah, no, it is madness. And, you know, I think you, you raise a good point there because I think also the fact that, you know, late qualification is happening, um, people are qualifying for the games much closer to the actual games than what World Champs would be. So I think if you're on really good form and you have a really fast crew <clears throat> that's going to race now, I think that form will carry itself a little bit more organically through to the Olympics. And you also got to realize that they... Um, they let's say they cruise in 2019 that didn't gel together, and then the countries took out of that crew the fastest people and made a new combination. And or the second thing that could happen is like let's say you have a really fast crew, they get sick or they get injured before the champs, they can't qualify. Rock up at late qualifications, and many and this 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 time is the same, but many times you see Olympic medalists racing. I mean, in the women's doubles, you have Anna Katerine Tila who's an Olympic gold medalist, that's racing. I mean, it's ridiculous. Same the women's pair. Fee Ugby Eriksson, uh, medalist from London in this women's single. She's racing in the pair. So, I mean, the caliber of athletes, it's not. I don't think it's spread necessarily even around the field, but definitely certain events, you have a, a really good chunk of um, very high quality athletes and a very high caliber of performance that's going to come through. I think I, I, I think a lot of what you've spoken about there is standard for a normal um, a, a normal regatta, but let's take COVID into the mix. Like when last did we see the a large block of these athletes racing? Yeah, we've seen two Europeans, but we don't know how those crews stack up against all of the the, the non continentals and and th- there's a lot of guys who left. World champs disappointed. Maybe formed a new crew. Maybe decided to stay with the the same combination, and they then got stuck away for what is it? Almost two years. Is I'm not quite sure the number, but it must be pretty close on two years now. They've mm. been plugging away, building this combination that they believe in, that they absolutely back. And now this is the first time where suddenly the reality is going to strike. You know, I think Lucerne Regatta is going to be a really interesting one to follow it. It's awesome that this is before it because this is the high-pressure race of the year, for, certainly for these guys. Um, but there's so much unknown. Like, there's so many new combinations. A lot of guys haven't even raced that little early European regatta or come over early or raced the World Cup before the Olympic qualifications. It is just absolutely blank canvas. Um, I, I saw Fis obviously have to put out a... Um, the the seeding for the event well that's a lottery at the moment there must be a whole lot of guys <laughs> who've just like got absolutely yeah. no form um like that's a hard thing to get right at the best of on the best of years um, yeah and yeah it's going to make it difficult especially for events that have like let's say more than you know 10 crews the seeding i mean you, you might like you know someone doesn't get seeded that's really fast and then you end up getting into the heat that's the heat of death or like again, men's single, like smokes. You're going through heat quarters, reps, semis. Like it's going to be absolute anarchy going through um, some of these events, going through the progression, racing just to get into the final. So, and I mean, also with the COVID pandemic, I mean, it's like you said, it's been two years. I mean, it's been two full seasons. So, um, I think we're going to see a lot of nations that have managed to do some good training at this regatta um, with their racing. And I think also this is going to be a bit of um, um, this is going to be a bit of a of a um, an indication to what kind of nations will probably perform quite well 
at the next World Cup because, you know, if you have Australian crews that are doing really well here at late qualifications, odds are that based off their centralized program, their crews will probably do pretty well at the, at the next World Cup. And same goes for nations that obviously aren't too hot. Yeah, so maybe it adds into those countries with slightly bigger programs that have a more competitive internal program. Um, and this, I guess it also hugely comes down to a lot of um, individual countries. What the Everyone's had a different set of rules, you know. Um, when were your hard lockdowns? Did you have hard lockdowns? Um, these are obviously things that all come out in the wash and they'll be forgotten about pretty quickly. But before we've arrived at this point, they've been hugely influential. You know, have you been mm. able to get away for long periods of training camp or is there no, no travel? You know, for some countries, um, even the post this is, is impactful. Do you, do you go back to your country? I, th- I think about Australia. The lockdown rules of going back there must be really tough at the moment. Um, I, I don't know the details, but I'm sure there's a consideration there. Um, you know, do you go back? Do you stay in Europe now until Tokyo? Um, it's a fascinating season to see the tactics of how it all rolls out. I think mm. lots of that stuff's often not seen by the general watchers who just get to watch the weekend racing. But how the teams put those together, um, that's the tactics of it that I find really fascinating. And I think this Olympic year is just the pressure of it being an Olympic year is huge. And the pressure of the complications of COVID are just super, super fascinating. And this is the first time we start to see, like, how does team like Australia that really has been isolated put it all together they were on such good momentum um, they were doing such good things I think Australia before the lockdown and let's see what what comes out two years later you know it's super super yeah. exciting to see no it's got to be exciting and again I mean we're talking about Australia but this this late qualification regatta and the the next World Cup in Lucerne is going to be the first time we see the continental nations coming to the the party in terms of racing so um, you know that that's going to mean more in certain events, <clears throat> especially fine on the women's side. You know, events like the pair and the four and the double, even the continental nations have a much stronger presence. Um, so I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a big change up to the mix, and I'm sure a lot of European nations that aren't racing at late qualifiers are going to be looking to see who does well here um, from the um, from outside Europe as like an indication as to see how their racing might go um, going into the second World Cup and, you know, maybe chat a th- about two or th- a couple of things with uh, preparation. Because, I mean, the time has passed and, like, maybe crews that were fast in 2019 aren't so hot anymore. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I think uh, the um, New Zealand and, you know, Australia, USA, Canada and China, these guys are massive players on the, on the world rowing circuit and they have largely been missing for, you know, two years. We've had two Europeans... Uh, World Cup in Croatia that was horribly, um, you know, there was hardly anyone racing there. Um, so, I yeah, saw, be, I saw something like, crazy. I think, I don't know if it was the women's or both events, men and women. I remember thinking, seeing those stats, less than um, less than 50% of the events had a semi final, or, or no, less than 50% of the events had a, had a semi final. Uh, yeah. They were. Or I think 50% of the events were straight finals or something ridiculous. I just remember looking at it being like, that's the most appalling World Cup no, entry, possibly other than the Australian World Cup a few years back. Um, yeah. This was certainly, it was really, really low. Um, no, it, but, it wasn't great. I think a lot of the, I think the women's double pair um, only had three or four entries in it. So, I mean, some of the races at a World Cups level, you know, you're getting a medal for coming last. And that's, that's not a good standard to keep. 
Yeah, and, um, and, and there are a lot of those. It's a very interesting. I, I think the other thing just to talk into on this regard is imagine what those athletes have gone through. They've obviously been isolated. They've been real focused. And all of a sudden, that entry sheet comes out. Um, normally, that entry sheet's a daunting time for an athlete. They're suddenly, you've, you've built so much confidence on the off-season and um, been focused on your, your progression. And suddenly, you really get to see who is really in which boat class. And I think this time, the ante is really up on that. Um, the dreams are on the line. And yeah. no, no one know, no one knew who was going to put what who into which crew. So it's really interesting to look through that. But um, I, I think there must have been some really um, head scratching when those entries came out and um, guys trying to work it out. I know they've been. It seemed to be in the French crew. There's a bit of a change in the lightweight men's double. Um, I saw in some of the French press. Um, I saw on Twitter um, one of the, f- the French double. Um, Pierre is no longer one of the guys I used to race against. Pierre is no longer um, in the double, apparently. That's being reported that he's going to move to the lightweight single for the World Cup. And there's another young buck crew that comes through. Um, so it's just a, the churn of athletes, the top guy, the young guys coming through continues, obviously, that's standard. Um, but it was just fascinating to see that even when the entries get put in, they still change, they still churn. Yeah. Um, so it's just a really interesting time. Um, and then it's just so diverse. The other thing that really jumped off the page for me was just how diverse it was. Um, some big countries, we're looking at a very different regatta. It's not about the A finals. A lot of the top countries are out, and um, Russia's obviously um, got the most number of crews here. Um, yeah. and, and a big country like the UK, G- U, uh, New Zealand, GB, US, uh, that, uh, not US, sorry, Germany aren't necessarily at the top of that list. Germany's got a good couple of crews here. Um, but those big powerhouse federations, particularly New Zealand and GB, barely even scratched the surface on yeah. number of crews. I think New Zealand only got one crew here. One crew, and I think we, we need to talk about that crew. So, James, I don't know if you've been watching the men's eight, but so listen to this. I only watch like we're doing, Jakey. Yeah, like red rowing. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. Don't worry, we'll get into that now. But uh, yeah, so the New Zealand men's eight, they've really, they've dug their heels in. I think New Zealand men's team had a probably a disappointing um, 2019 World Champs. Um, and they only qualified the men's pair. But what they did now for this qualification, they've doubled down on the eight. They've taken out the two guys that um, uh, came, got a silver in 2019 in the pair. And they've stuck them in the eight. And, of course, you've got Hamish lending his expertise and pedigree in the eight. And it looks like they're focusing on this eight as the boat um, on the men's side. And I think, for me, it's not necessarily with the men's eight. Look, to be honest, I think New Zealand and Romania are going to qualify, hands down. Um, China's a wild card, especially now with Paul Thompson and you know Sir Stephen Redgrave from the UK. But I think you know with the men's eight, it's more about seeing if these guys can produce a result that can get them a medal in the Olympics. And I think this qualification regatta is going to be interesting to see how fast um, someone like the New Zealand A could be. Because I think when you look at the athletes and you know the, the form that they have had in the past, I think you've got a real fast eight that can do some damage on a larger stage going forward. Yeah, so when I looked at that eight, I was wondering, like, and I didn't know the answer to this, and maybe you do, but who isn't in that eight as far as New Zealand is concerned? You know, they obviously had a slightly disappointing world champs. Um, and the eight just missed it, if I think, at that stage, if I remember correctly. Yeah, no, they just missed it. They came fifth. And, you know, how brutal the eight is. Only four bloody crews make it through these days. So, yes, it's wild. Yeah, the, the eight from New Zealand, they missed out, I think, to the USA. 
um, by maybe like a second, less than a second. So, yeah, no, they 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 were gutted with that performance there. And now you've brought some ammo into that. Yeah, um, big ammo. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just going to be a power power crew. It's only crew they're pretending to late qualification. Um, and that's also interesting because, like, I don't know. I feel like you know the New Zealand. I think the New Zealand, um, whoever's in charge of selection there, are, are maybe being a little bit strict because even you know the lightweight men's double from New Zealand, they came. Yeah, they fourth, went fourth, yeah. fourth or fifth at the twenty nineteen Worlds. They're not here. Um, you know the no, men's they couldn't have been fifth or fourth the because they would have got them too. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's interesting, you know, New Zealand. I thought I was going to see more entries from New Zealand. So you know, they they only sending an eight. So you know, I think. But listen, they... New Zealand. Since I've since I've known rowing, New Zealand selection has been a ruthless place. Um, yeah, they've left a lot of good athletes at home before, so um, the standard there is high. And if but it also means any any crew you get on the start line in New Zealand's something else. And obviously, I think this eight is going to be something special. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. Looking if forward the eight to, select to go it. to late qualifications, obviously the eight's fast. So, you know, <laughs> if you think about who they left at home, you've got to be scared of who they've sent. <laughs> yeah, no, big time. Big time. I would be I'd be watching with a, you know real interest on in the other big nations like GB, Germany, Netherlands, that race in the eight to see what's you know what happens here. But yeah. let's let's talk, chat up a little about lightweight rowing. So, you know, we all know lightweight rowing is has always been um, giving us the best, most competitive racing in terms of spectator value. And I can tell you what, the, the most stacked event at this regatta, I think the, the event that everyone has to watch is the lightweight, woman, the lightweight woman's double skulls. And, you know, James, chat to us a little bit about, you know, what, what is it about the lightweight racing that makes it such a, a competitive field and, and why is it so bloody tight all the time? It's a it's a great question, and I think um, the lightweight women's double has taken the mantle of that, even away from the men's lightweights um, over the last few years. It really is like the most insane, insane event, um, and I just think it's a combination of obviously everyone always thinks, oh, it's a combination, it's the weight, and uh, there's only got so much weight you can produce the power with. I don't really back that theory so much. I just think it's the number of seats available. Um, you truly do get. There's no way. There's no way to go find a, a medal prospect in another event. You concentrate all of your power. All of the top athletes are gonna end up in those two seats. Um, it's been really interesting to see over the years when the lightweight women only had two seats previously, and obviously the lightweight men now only have two seats. So just to see the development of the sport. Um, I think when we had the lightweight four, the lightweight men's was almost a more competitive class. We then came out of that, and we've had a great few few years where it got concentrated into the double. But I think in the long-term development of the sport, you have to have at least six seats um, to develop it. Sadly, we all know the, um, or it seems to be the future of lightweight rowing is in the balance and if not finished. Um, but the lightweight women's have had for years and years and years, they've had just two seats available. And I think it creates a high, high pressure environment compounded on top of the fact that obviously they're all on diet, uh, myself included back in the day. Um, yeah. But dieting, uh, only two seats available. Um, there's no other option. There's no going into the single. And I think if there was a single, we would see a very different set of results in the lightweight women's double and the lightweight men's double for that fact. Um, but I just think the fact that we've never had a dominant lightweight women's double, if we go back through history, through the history of lightweights, I, I, I can't think of a lightweight women's double that has ever done an Olympic cycle 
where they've just smashed it out year after year after year. Every yeah. single year, it seems like the crew that was unbeatable last year can barely put it together this year. And there's another three crews on top. And in, mm-hmm. the, in the last few years, it's gone even further than that. And it's been World Cup for World Cup, you know. Um, mm. It just seems this churn of athletes. And we look through the list of names of people racing here, you know, Australia, yes, USA, uh, Switzerland, South Africa. These are powerhouses, man. These are big, people who like... Big names. And they, like you said, I mean, meddled. these crews have all, at some stage in the last cycle, they've all been on the podium at a world's, at, at some point in the, in the world rowing circuit. Um, it's disgusting. And then, you know, I mean, even outside of that, Ireland, who's who've actually now have got a really fast, they weren't in the B final at uh, 2019, but they've they got a fifth place at the European Champs. And you're in a situation where there are multiple crews in the event that can take the, um, take the qualification spot. And talking about spots, this is the only event at this regatta that's got three, um, three spots available. This is because the American um, continental um, regatta that raced, um, for some reason, they didn't take up one of their spots. Was that Canada? I don't know how much you looked into that, but there was something, I think it was around Canada. No, in New Zealand. Wait, wait, no, in the lightweight women's, there's a spot that's come available through the New Zealand lightweight girls double. Oh, yes. No, that's true, actually. And I think that then gets passed down to Canada. Yes, and did Canada not get one of the American slots? Yes, I think that's how it worked. And then no one else that were raced at the Americas, I don't think they, they actually, no one else um, so, so took, I, the, I, took the spot. So somehow... I, I, I might be drawing between the lines here, but I, if I, to summarize that, New Zealand, um, because it was it Zoe who retired? Zoe, um, yeah. Zoe, who was a powerhouse, um, super powerful. And it just shows like New Zealand as well, like the selectors again, just being absolute thugs. Instead of, like, instead of pulling up, <laughs> giving someone the opportunity, pulling one of the under 23s, and you know they've got a power under 23 there, they would probably pull something together and like probably be in like a final or something. But they're just like, no, like if Zoe's not there, it's a different crew, bam, we're not sending a crew to the Olympics. And there yeah. must be athletes. There, who just like screaming at like just like screaming at it, being like, "Yes, I would have been that athlete. I would have yeah, been." Yeah, so I mean, games. I think you know, it's it's, it's, it's quite it's just quite disheartening because especially for Zoe's partner Jackie Kittle. I mean, they won twenty nineteen. They're the only crew in the lightweight doubles that somehow had separated themselves from the pack. So they won by clear water quite comfortably. Now that crew that won comfortably clear water, not no longer gone, no longer racing. And then the next couple of crews have been switching places at Europeans. It's it's been nuts. I mean, it's it's really is this event going into medals is probably has the worst. If you were a betting man, has got the worst betting odds you can get. <laughs> There's no sure favorite, nothing. Like everyone's flipping, no, rolling the it, dice. Race day, anyone can do it. I feel like it honestly is like it. it uh, sometimes you do get crews winning by clear water, which is interesting. It's not always like the tightest race across the line, but it's always a different crew the variation is just like it's a bit of a lottery and it really does make for some of the best racing we can we can ever really hope to get for out there it's a, it's a pity it's in the balance because it just dishes up what we really want to see and that's tight racing yeah yeah no it certainly is um yeah. and then i mean we can we can chat a bit about lawrence our, our other host of the row show is going to be competing in the south african men's fall and the men's fall is also got a, a quite a competitive field and i think the, that event, um, 
last time there were only 10 entries. This time around, they're 13. The reason why that makes it more significant is because it's um, they've, they've got an extra race now through progression just to eliminate one person. So that event now is has gotten a little bit more um, a little bit more spicy because of now they've added in another race to get rid of one person. And in the men's four event, again you have you know the guys that race at the at the B final at last at 2019's um, uh, event uh, world championship, which is France, Germany, RSA, Germany that year were uh, medalists at um, Europeans. Canada has now scratched their eight and they've decided to take. The rose from the eight, and they've made a four from that boat. So I mean, that combo it's going to be. It's got to have that something combo in there. Could be could be fast. I mean, especially you know, Canada's got really good sweet pedigree. I know they've been lacking a little bit of form, but you know, they they can come and and produce something big. Russia has also produced really good speed this season. They weren't any really anywhere twenty nineteen, but they came sixth at Euros this this season, beating some already qualified crews for the games. Um. So again, I mean, like it's it's going to be really interesting. The men's four, you definitely have some quality crews that in the past have produced good results, and that's the thing. A lot of crews here. Sorry, I'm going off a segue here, but there are a lot of crews here. That's a story of crews being able to produce good results at some point in the past, but they've never found the consistency to replicate those results from season to season. So, I mean, in the men's four is the best example of that. A lot of the crews here are racing have in the past at points put out fantastic performances um, but sadly find themselves in a predicament of racing for late qualifications and now you have multiple crews with good pedigree racing for two spots no b finals it's just those two spots that's it and you know a lot of crews here they've got senior athletes uh, i think uh, mortelet who won a uh, medal in the pair london he's racing in the french men's four i mean these are seasoned rowers and like you said they're going to be going home with no chance of going to the olympics yeah i think it's it's a great it's a great point and a lot of the guys are obviously um this might be their last race as we mentioned earlier and it's it really is tight and that extra race off the back of a lot of non-racing like what progression do you ideally want at this regatta and i think going up to 13 is it i think 13 is the number is probably the uh, the the best qualification process uh, number you want, you, you, you know, you, you get some pretty straightforward heats. Um, it's not, um, w- what does it work out at for 13? Um, uh, I need to check here. I think for the men's four, they've got three so heats. So four, 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 five, no? No, I'm trying to see here. It's uh, three heats, one rapid charge, two semis. And I think the top three from the heats go through. Okay, so top three from heats go through. So you, yeah. you get to get out there. You get to have a race. You don't need to beat too many guys. Um, that means only uh, most people get through the heat. Um, you, you get to get that out your way. And then you straight into a final. Hey? It's not, there's no semifinal of real pressure to get you going. After two years off, I don't know if I don't want a semifinal in this situation. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, James, also the thing is like, when I look, so I, I raced the, the South African men's four at oh, the no, last 13, Sorry, sorry, 13 has a semi-final. So yeah, semi-finals. Go, the four yeah, yeah, semi-finals here. So, so three through from the heat, three through from the semi, you get yourself in the final. I think that's the progression yeah. you really want. 13 is a really nice number. Yeah, and it makes for like uh, the progression, the racing that leads up to the final. Uh, it's not as cutthroat. It mm. gives you a good chance to test the legs a bit. You don't have to put out your, your best performance to 
kind of get through because of the spots available. I think you um, probably have to beat one person in your heaters about where it's at. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, even saying that, I think if I look back to 2016, um, I raced the men's four that qualified through this event. And a lot of our mindset going through was we, even though um, I think it was only the top, the top uh, two people from the heats made it through to the final. It was straight heat to final progression. But even in saying that, for us, just from a mindset point of view, because it's only top the, the top two spots that are going to the Olympics, you don't want to come second in your heat because you've been someone else has beaten you. So there's a chance that, you know, from like a confidence point of view, you're like shit, going into the final, like, I've got good speed. But one person's already beaten me, and it's one person too many because of the fact that, you know, the heat winners arguably are gonna be the you know, on paper, the heat winners are the fastest crews. That's three. You get beaten by one of the guys in the heat, then that kind of like drops you down the, the pecking order. So I think even if it is easy progression, you want to win. You want to qualify from a confidence point of view. You want to be winning every step of progression that you're going to be going through. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think it's, it is it is a progression space and it's you, you need to put out good races, you know, and it's so many times the guys get taken by, taken by a bit of a chance out there. Hey, they get a bit of a fright. Um, first heat, we see lots of crazy things happen in heats and that's why the repertoire charge is there, I guess. Um, but yeah. it's, it's a tight, it's not a world champs, eh? It's not a, um, I think the other piece to talk about, um, to pull away from the event by event piece is that it's, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday event, three days. Um, it's a World Cup format to some degree, but if you've obviously the men's single and you've got to get four races into that, it's pretty wild. Um, Good luck. Just wa- warm up, warm down. Rest, <laughs> and you got to, I, I don't know what you do. Do you just like take the heat super chilled? I don't know what you do about it. It's crazy. Um, yeah. it's, a lot of, it's a lot of work to, to get through. Um, obviously, if, you're, if you really are in for one of those two spots, you should be able to get through a heat in... 26 entries pretty easily so it shouldn't yeah. when you really bring it break it down it shouldn't be that hard but it's still four warm-ups four warm downs four um mental preparations it's pretty there's no there's no easy route there um in theory i think there's even a isn't there a rapid charge before this um quarterfinal i think it's heat quarter maybe or maybe that's, that's, that's I, gone i think that's I'm gone. not quite the, sure i think I'm not that, quite sure how that works but then the yeah. other piece is that I think just to touch on that, this has got a Monday, um, Monday yeah. finals. Like, Terrible. What is World Rugby doing? I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry to call it what it is, but like this is the most exciting race of um, maybe World Champs last year is a more exciting race. But I remember in Agribalet uh, 2015, they didn't televise the B finals, man. That's where it all happens. At the That's Olympic where the action happens, dude. But I feel like this is the best part of the Olympic cycle. If I, I don't think our sport should be all about the Olympics, but it is. So at that yeah. point, world rowing needs to embrace it and be like, this is it. In fact, the, this should be a Sunday final. There's no doubt about it. What does it change to make this event a Saturday, uh, a Friday, Saturday, Saturday Sunday, Sunday Monday, event? Yeah. Like you're asking crews to get there a day earlier. They're going to be in Lucerne. I appreciate the COVID consideration, but I don't think it was any different last Olympic cycle. No. And, and like, who watches sport on a Monday, ten o'clock yeah. in the morning? Like no, it's terrible. I feel like world drawing is like world drawing is like these guys are under pressure. It's a regatta of death. They're going to be racing their finals for the Olympic dreams on a Monday. Why not? Let's just add it in the mix. It's already fucking so much pressure, and they just are racing on Monday. 
But Jake, um, you but then also but you, you don't see this. Jake. Race the second World Cup. They have to. They have only four days off. So you race the men's single. You went through four crackerjack races. You four <laughs> days rest, and you have to do another, another That's event like rash. that on the weekend for the second World for the second World Cup. It's madness. These guys are playing games. Like they're playing games in this thing. Like think about like the prime time weekend rowing. Like most of your spectators. To like, I've got jobs. You know, we had a conversation on a WhatsApp group today where we were sending each other events, um, calendar events in our diaries to try book us out of meetings. It's like pretending we have meetings so that we can watch this. Um, watch like, and and I'm only going to get to watch like two or three races. Like a Monday is a full day for me. Like I'm going to yeah. like finish work and like come and watch it and repeat. Like why don't you just put it on a Sunday for me? I don't understand. Yeah, I think anyway. that's actually. I feel like we, yeah, that is, I mean, it is true. I mean, it is actually a larger issue where I feel like there, there can be more investment in creating hype and, and talk. And I don't know, like it, kind of like um, developing the talking points around, you know, the, the, the B finals, like the qualification spots, talking about these things a little bit more. I think because it can also, it brings in the spectators more and there's more, you know, you, everyone wants to see the middles the medals, who gets the medals. But I mean, like, there's a a hell of a lot going on. If Olympic qualification is going to be what it's about, which it is, if uh, the Olympics is what our sport is predominantly about, it's, we have two choices. Either we try and develop a like non-Olympic based culture where we make these amazing events that have like something worth winning in the world, like um, promote Hendy further and promote and isolate ourselves from, or, protect ourselves from ever getting dropped from the Olympics and then we can develop our sport without the fear of being dropped from the Olympics. Like that's one of our yeah. options or we embrace the Olympics and we make it the thing that means the most. But I disagree that our Olympic qualification should even be at world champs. It should be at the Olympic qualification together. That should probably be after world champs or we don't have a world champs that yet. Let's call it what it is. It's not world champs. Yeah. It's Olympic qualification. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. And yeah. like, say, once you make in the semifinal top three, you, know, you go home, you finished, you qualified, you're, you're done. done. You're done. <laughs> what this event is now about is about the B final and like call it what it is, make it rad. Like just, and promote it and put like those people on the podium because they've qualified for the Olympics and like celebrate it and don't like put it on a Monday in the middle of like your, like if you're lucky it's during lunch, you know, what's yeah. going on. And uh, I mean, the last thing I think I want to chat about just uh, about what's happening on the weekend. Um, I mean, yeah, on the weekend is, so I mean like China, China's got a fairly big contingent coming through here. So, I mean, they've got, they have a, a reasonable seven entries. So, you know, they obviously, the Chinese Rowing Federation is hoping that a lot of crews get through here so they have good representation. But what I'm really interested to see in is, is, is the you know, they, they've put investment by getting hold of, you know, Sir Stephen Redgrave and then um, another top coach from the UK system, Paul Thompson. They got involved in the, in the Chinese system. And now with COVID, I mean, it was fairly recent pre-COVID. But now they've, they've been given an extra year to kind of develop the rowers there. So I'm really excited to see if that, you know, if that process has taken effect now to see some reasonable speed coming out of China. And, uh, you know, China, you know, it's, it's a wild card factor. I mean, you know this very well, James, from the lightweight four. You know, you, you, you never know what you're going to get out of, um, you know, out of China. You, they could either come be world champions or you know, next time you race them and they're quite there. So it's going to be, it's definitely a wild card, um, 
a wild card uh, uh, vibe from them, and we'll see what happens. But I'm really excited to see if they can put together some good crews. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting point, and China is always the wild card. Um, you've got crews that they'll roll up onto the start line with four four new athletes who've never been there before, and they'll smash out some like outrageous performance, um, and you might never see them again. You know, uh, then you get other crews that like form a bit of consistency. We've seen more of that over the last period, where um, you start seeing the same faces up over and over again. I see one of the one of the guys who raced Rio um, is still actually on the start line in the lightweight men's double. I recognised him, um, his name. So that's pretty cool. Probably, uh, ironically, we say that about China churning over through athletes, but one of the few athletes left from um, on this start line from. Um, Tokyo from Rio was is one of the Chinese guys, um, but it is challenging. I'm interested by what you say there in the coaching space. I feel like China have done this over and over again in the last few years, and it's never really worked. You know, I think there's a huge cultural difference between the two. Yeah, I was, um, I was just about to say, culture is such a massive. Um, yeah. It's like a it's an abstract thing that you, you can't kind of you can't. It's not a technical thing. I mean, it's such a, a compl- complicated thing. Yeah, and rowing is like 80% crew-based, you know, like 80% the crew clicking, um, or maybe not quite that much, but there's a huge crew clicking factor, and I think there's a culture, and a happy athlete is a fast athlete, as often a saying said. Um, you know, there are certainly a few um, exceptions <laughs> to that rule. Um, yeah. But overall, China have had big names coaching there before, you know. Um, over and over again, we've seen that, and it's never really clicked, and it's never really, those foreign coaches have never produced results. That said, there must be a lot of respect from the athlete level, even into someone like Steve Redgrave. So maybe this one's viewed slightly differently. Um, I don't think it's an athlete respect problem. Um, I, I don't know what it is that doesn't take that strategy to generate results. But but that said, it's been two years Man, two years Chinese just <laughs> quietly doing their thing. These guys could come yeah. out and like qualify all nine of those boats, or what is it, seven of those boats? I, I, if you told me if we sat down here on just on on Monday evening and said, "Oh my word, China's qualified all seven boats," I, I, I could believe it. Eh? It's it wouldn't be that mind blowing to me. Um, they truly are just. Um, it's the wild card. Who knows what they've got up their sleeve? Yeah, for sure, and I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to review the, the action um, on Monday at later stage. But I think for now that's that's a wrap from us. I think uh, we've given you quite a fair bit to get through. And of course, James, thank you very much for coming on the show and providing your 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 knowledge and banter. Um, it's it's always good having you on. It's always a pleasure um, yeah. to be here. Thanks, man. So I'm awesome. looking forward to some racing this weekend. Yeah, of course not. Well, this, week, and then, this weekend and Monday, let's be clear. <laughs> weekend and Monday. One Monday, last chance to get your Olympic dreams. So it had That's to be it. on a Monday. Why not? And, and good luck um, to all the athletes. I know lots of the athletes listen to this, so good luck to the athletes. Enjoy. Uh, it's a race of a life and one you won't forget. Not many people will remember it, but you certainly won't forget it. Yeah, definitely. And those those uh, that are listening to the, the show and they've maybe not uh, tuned in to pay attention to this regatta, I would implore you, Please go in and and uh, invest your your time to together. I think it's definitely worth your while. And of course, good luck to everyone that's racing. Uh, it's going to be a crackerjack. Go support Lawrence, our uh, other host of the Row Show. You know he's he's racing. He's going to be under big pressure. So I think you'll enjoy your enjoy your support. And then besides that, guys, you can follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram. Um, send us an email. Let us know what you think. And you know if you want to, you can go support us on Patreon. 
um, where we, you know, we get, we like to get a little bit more involved with our listeners. Um, and they've got some reward systems over there. But, you know, besides that, that's a wrap. Um, thanks again, James, for being a show. Have a good weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the racing. Thanks, everyone. Ciao, ciao.